go. Happy Sunday. I don't know how you're feeling, but I'm feeling great. I'm breathing God's air. I, uh, I, I lived and pastored today in Fresno, California. So I'm breathing God's air right now. <laughs> and uh, born and raised even in this area, went to Brookfield East High School. And then my parents retired in Wapaka, and now we get to continue to enjoy that place. And, uh, and I, I, I love being here. I love your pastor, Aaron and Tammy, love those guys. And uh, God bless them as they are finding rest and fulfillment and rejuvenation during this time. And, uh, and I have great connection to this church. Thank you for your investment even in my sons, DJ and Dawson, because now I have them on staff. They made all their mistakes with you. And now I get them. Thank you, Ryan. Appreciate you. Love you. And, and, uh, and Aaron is one of my close pastoral friends that I always talk to. I also happen to have another one of my close friends, Mike Robertson, pastor just south of me in, in uh, pastors in Visalia, California. Great church there. And, uh, and so I get to be around some great people. I have to, I have to say live hello to Rod and, and Mike and and Michelle Zimmerman, because I say hello to them online a lot of times. But now I get to say hello to you live. Great to see you. And so, uh, and others. Let's get into the Word of God. How about that? (laughs) Do you know that God wants to give you more than eternal life? He wants to give you abundant and victorious life. There are people that have, are Christians going to heaven but live their whole life in bondage. They've never been freed from their past, from their addictions, from their compulsions, from, from their pride. And they've never known abundance and freedom. And they're going to heaven. But God wants to give us more than eternal life. He wants to give us that abundant and victorious life. And today I want to talk to you this summer at Life Church about a topic that I'm very passionate about, and it's the battle for your mind. The battle for your mind. Right here. Because whoever controls the mind of a person controls that person. Whoever controls the mind of a person controls that person. So let's jump in and turn in our Bibles to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to read verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians, are you doing okay so far? Best friends? You may not like me, but I really like you. Happy Sunday. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. Are you there? Say, I'm there. There. Verse 3. Paul is writing. This is a, a letter from the Apostle Paul to a church at Corinth. And this is the second portion of that letter. He says this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. 
For the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. They have these weapons that we have, have divine power, not fleshly power, but divine power, supernatural power, to demolish strongholds. Verse 5. We demolish arguments. So now we're, we're learning what strongholds are by Paul's description. We demolish arguments and every pretension, these high and prideful thoughts, every, every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every what? Every what? Thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we, are, we, we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that even though the grass withers and the flowers fade, we thank you that the word of God stands forever. And may that word come to bring us transformation and freedom this very day. Plant those seeds of freedom in us and abundance for your glory, I pray. And everyone said amen. amen. In Genesis chapter 3, we, it's recorded the fall of man where we fell into sin. We walked away from paradise and walked into, into a life where we are apart from God. It is there that Satan, the serpent, the enemy of our soul, disrupted God's plan of communion and life and relationship with him. Now, did he disrupt that plan with a gun? You, now, we're not in the library, okay? We're not in the library, so you can talk to me. I won't be afraid in any way if you talk to me, all right? You can even smile, all right? But did, did he disrupt God's plan with a gun? Did he do it with a bomb? Did he do it with a threat? No. He didn't use anything physical. What, what the enemy of our soul, Satan, used was a thought. And that thought was a lie. That's what he used. He used a lie to disrupt God's plans for you and me. Has God really said, were the first words the serpent spoke to Adam and Eve, has God really said that if you eat of that fruit, you will die. He cast doubt on God's word. Because before the devil, before the devil can defeat you, he has to disarm you. So once Lucifer, once the serpent cast doubt on God's word and God's instructions, he brought the intended defeat and we walked into life without God. And so when Jesus came to undo the work of the enemy, he came, we know, as the word. The book of John calls him the word. He came as the way. He came as the truth. He came as the life. He came as the word and he came as the truth to us. So when Jesus came to set us free, I propose today that we not forget an important aspect of that freedom, and that is the freedom in our minds. John 8, 20, 8 32 says, you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? Set you free. Set you free. So I have, I have 
two observations and two applications, and I'll, I'll, I'll go observation one, application one, observation two, application two, and then you leave. <laughs> observation one, your mind is the battlefield. Your mind is the battlefield. It says in chapter 10, verse 3, for though we live in the world, the world there is the Greek word sarks, which means just essentially this world that, that is uh, against God, it's flesh, it's, it's run by the flesh, it's run by our desires and our thoughts and everything that we kind of want to do, that's what it, it's run by, the world, sarks. Though, though we live in the world, we don't wage war as the flesh wages war. So the weapons are different that we use and the battlefield is different, but the warfare is just the same. And any thought you do not take captive will take you captive. Any thought that you haven't captured will capture you or maybe it already has. But we're called by this passage to demolish, the, 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 with our warfare, to demolish strongholds. Well, what are strongholds? We demolish these arguments, which are thoughts, reasonings, things that we consider these thoughts, these propositions. And so therefore, if we're going to demolish these arguments, these propositions, these reasonings, that means then that the battle is in our minds. We are in a war against our thoughts for in, in many cases. We are in a war against our thoughts. And we are to take captive, we are to take at gunpoint, spear point, if you will, every thought and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. A stronghold is a fortress of thoughts. Maybe those fortresses of thoughts are bitterness and resentment and unforgiveness. It may be fear. It may be shame. It may be depression. It may be lust. It may be anger but it is a stronghold. It is a fortress of thoughts that holds you captive, that makes you think about it all the time. People that are complaining are complaining all the time. People that are angry are angry all the time. It may not manifest, but they're angry all the time because it has them captive. Let me just let you know today and make sure you know your problem is not your past. It's how you think about your past. Your problem is not a substance. It's how you think about a substance. Your problem is not your money. It's how you think think about your money. Your problem is not relationships. It's how you think about your relationships. It's how you think about these things. Because a stronghold is a fortress of thoughts that have to be demolished. I'm going to get really passionate about this. So just, I just, I want to let, I want to let you know that I know I get worked up. All right. I'm just letting you know I know that. They have to be demolished, so we have to take every thought at spear point, at gunpoint. The problem is not temptation. The problem is not an image. It's, it's how you, it's what you believe and how you think that that image can do for you more than what Jesus can do for you. The battlefield is your mind. So application one is this. Don't believe everything you think. 
don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. We think that why would, I would never lie to myself. I know me. I wouldn't lie to myself. At least you wouldn't lie intentionally, right? But we will easily believe a lie. I, I, recently, I heard something from someone and I started to think about what that person was saying and it started to bother me. It started to upset me. I lost sleep over that thought. I lost focus over that thought. Someone would be talking to me and I'd be smiling, but I was thinking about this issue that I had heard about. And then upon a little bit of investigation, you all know how this, how this goes. Upon a little bit of investigation, I had, I had believed something, I had heard something, and then I had a belief based upon what I heard. And then I found out just with a little in, in, in investigation and a few conversations that what I was thinking was a lie. And I was losing sleep over a lie. Something I didn't, that, that I believed, but that wasn't true. Jeremiah 17, 9 says that the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? We lie to ourselves all the time. In our household, we have two scales. <laughs> one scale is white and one scale is black. Now, the white scale is more gracious than the black scale. It is, it is consistently two pounds lighter than the black scale. Which scale do you think I have in my bathroom? Which one? The white one. And I gave the black one to my wife. No. Right. We tell, our, we tell ourselves things all the time that aren't true, right? We tell ourselves a lot of things. I can handle that. Oh, that's no big deal. When it's a big deal. Oh, no, no, no. That's no problem for me. No, I can, I can stop anytime I want. And we are so willing to lie to ourselves. We tell ourselves, we tell ourselves that we're better than we really are. That we can handle the substance, we can handle the image, we can handle the pornography, we can handle the addiction. Jeremiah 17 is true that we cannot trust ourselves because we all, I don't know about you, but we jump to conclusions, right? We don't want to hear another opinion. And we always make snap judgments and we're always right. One of the reasons that we shouldn't believe everything we think is because, this is what I was, I was reading, because our, our brains tell us, because even what, when, what we see something, when we see something, what, what, it, what, what, what I've learned is, is that our brain tells us what we see. We see what we want to see. The optic nerve, you have an optic nerve, I have an optic nerve, and the optic nerve is the only nerve that goes straight to the brain. Are you following me so far? Your optic nerve goes straight to the brain. But what was interesting about a study about that is this, that with that optic nerve going straight to the brain, there are more impulses that go from the brain to the eye than from the eye to the brain. 
Okay, so there, there's more impulses being sent from your brain forward than to you, from your eye backward, which means your mind is telling you what you see. All right, let me give you an example of this. I am in, I'm in, a, I'm in Target, I'm just going to tell you. I'm just going to be transparent. I was in Target. So I was in Target, and it was last fall, and I... Now, I want to tell you something about myself, which is also true of your pastor, Aaron Cole. And that is that we have both appreciate timepieces. Please don't call what I'm wearing a watch. It's a timepiece. It's a piece of art. Am I, am I, am I right? Both my bro, brother Ryan, am I right? Yes. All right, so a timepiece, okay? It's a work of art. So I'm always thinking about watches are fine. I'm always, I'm, I, I, just, I just appreciate them. I like them. I have more than I need. But whatever else, I have them. All right, so I'm in, I'm in Target, and I go past it, and I see a magazine, watches, and then the origins of a fine a, a movement. But let me just tell you, let me show you a picture of what I actually was looking at. Ancient origins, a modern movement. The movement is the engine of a watch. Well, that's one of the definitions of a movement. And so I'm looking at this, and I'm paging through this magazine, and I'm saying to myself, where are the watches? I only see witches. <laughs> and I'm looking through this going, where, where, where? I, I want to see this because I'll buy this. And all of a sudden, I go, did I really see that right? And I looked to the front, and there it was, the story of witches <laughs> and ancient origins and modern movement. And then I spoke the name of Jesus against that, and I put it down, and I, I burned it. So <laughs> the point is we see what we want to see. We are preconditioned. That is why you can have four people at the same accident and you have four different versions of the same accident. They all saw it, but they are preconditioned to what they see because our mind is telling us what we see. Uh, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, if you're familiar with the story in Numbers where Moses, the, the, the children of Israel are going to go into the promised land, but before they go into the promised land, they send spies in there to check it out, and they send 12 of them, and 10 of them come back and say, we're just like grasshoppers in their eyes. We're a little small because of the fact that they, they, they saw what they wanted to see. They had fear, and so therefore that fear came out in what they said, and they spread that fear to everyone. Only Joshua and Caleb were the two that said, we can do it. And the other 10 said, no, we can't, because we're like little puny insects in their eyes. That's what they believed. And that led to their, their, their defeat for that moment. It's easy to tell ourselves lies because if you believe every thought you have, you'll struggle in life because you'll always go back to the same pattern of life. You'll say, I got to get a drink. I got to yell at somebody. I got to eat some ice cream. You go back to those old thoughts when you're bored and you will look at social media and see how everyone's life is better than your life. You don't know what to do with your life, so you look at pornography or you read pornography to get your mind off of whatever you're focused on just to feel better about yourself. The struggle is real, friends. The battlefield is in your mind, and you should not 
believe everything you think. You cannot live a positive faith-filled life when you have a negative fear-filled mind. Observation two. So we're already halfway through. And the devil's going to tell you to look at your watch the whole time. No. All right, so observation two. Victory comes through God's word, the Bible. Victory comes through God's word. Paul says in Romans chapter 12 that we are to be renewed. We are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. I wish it said the removal of our mind. But it doesn't. It says the renewing. Removal would be so much easier than renewing because renewing is a long, arduous process. But we are transformed. We are transformed by God by the renewing of our mind. And so I want you to start to begin to begin to grasp the power of God's word. And I want to remind you, you cannot solve a spiritual problem with your flesh. You will lose every time. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about the armor of God. He talks about the belt of truth. He talks about the breastplate of righteousness. He talks about the helmet of salvation. He talks about the feet fitted with the gospel of peace. He talks about the shield of faith. And then he gets into the only offensive part of that armor, which is what? The sword of the spirit, which is the word of truth, which is the truth of God's word. The sword of the spirit. I love how he begins this whole section when he says this, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong where? Be strong where? In the Lord. In your mighty power? No, because you don't have mighty power. Be strong in the Lord. And so put on the belt, put on the breastplate, put on the helmet, put on the feet, put on your feet, the shoes, put on, put it, take the shield, and then use the word of God. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This now gets nuclear. This is incredible. Jesus, at the beginning of his ministry, is going to fast for 40 days. And it's toward the end of that 40 days when he's weak and he is vulnerable that the enemy attacks him. Isn't that interesting? That when you're weak and you're vulnerable, the enemy attacks you. What did Jesus use to fend off the enemy so that he would continue to be victorious over the temptations that are coming his way. He uses the word of God. He doesn't submit to temptation because if he submits to temptation, this will bring him down. He uses the word of God, the nuclear word of God. All that says is this, friends, on your worst and weakest day, you can defeat the enemy of your soul but not in your strength and in your power. It is with the word of God. When your thoughts are in truth, when your thoughts are right, you can handle anything the enemy of your soul brings your way. You can handle the grief and the loss. You can handle the discouragement and the depression. You can handle the overwhelming sense of fear and bitterness and resentment. You can handle it all if you use the word of God, the truth of God's word. The Bible says of itself, Hebrews chapter 4, that it is, it is a two-edged sword. It is alive and it is 
active. It penetrates, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. It can, it can, it can divide between your soul and your spirit, which is an indistinguishable, indistinguishable division. No creature can hide from the word of God. The enemy can't hide from it. The devil can't hide from the word of God. It is two-headed sword, no creature. I'm telling you what, friends, you read every book, but this book reads you. It is two-edged. Hebrews 4 says it's a two-edged sword. It finds falsehood and destroys it, and it finds wounds and heals them. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent out his word and healed them. He rescued them from the grave. So, So the answer is God's word. So now application number two is this. Reprogram your mind by focusing on God's word. Reprogram your mind by focusing on God's word. Let's look together at Psalm 1. It said, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the company of mockers. But, verse 2, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates, say meditates. Everyone say meditates. Who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like the tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Let me simplify this little thought, and that is this. If you meditate on God's word, everything you do will prosper. I'm simplifying it, but if you meditate on God's word, everything you do will prosper. So to understand this, let's think in terms of, of modern function today. Computers. Computers have hardware and software. Are you tracking with me so far? Okay. This is not revolutionary. Computers have hardware and software. The hardware is the machine and the software is the program that runs on the machine to make it useful. Right? Okay, so I want you to understand this. Your brain is the hardware. Your brain is the computer, the hardware, and there's nothing like your brain, nothing like it. But the problem was, is because of Genesis 3 and the, the enemy dealing with Adam and Eve, we have now, we have, been, we have, we have infected software in our minds. We were born with it, Right? We have viruses going through our head because of the, because of the enemy. But our brains were des- designed to run on, it's called the Word software program. That's what it was designed. The truth software program. That's what we were designed to run on. And we were supposed to, on that program, we're supposed to meditate, ruminate. Uh, it goes back to the idea of even animals, sheep, cows that have four stomachs and that fourth stomach, the biggest section of that stomach is called the rumen and it takes and it, it takes and it processes that food over and over and over again, over and over. It's, so I won't 
You understand. So, but that rumen, so that we are to ruminate, we are to meditate, we are supposed to go over it, over it, over it, over it, over it, continually going over it. This is what we call meditation, continuing to go over this. How many of us just read a verse and we don't even spend any time there? We read a verse that means a lot to us and we go, okay, great, thank you, Jesus, and keep on with our day. Instead of taking time to make sure that we understand that we ruminate, we meditate on that word day and night. So that when you wake up, you have an issue, you, you're going to bed and you have an issue, now you have the word of God to now fend off anything that the devil would do to want to destroy and ruin your life. That fear, that insecurity, that anger, that lust, that pride, that idolatry. And so you have an issue, you have an issue, then search out the word of God. I can't get any more practical than this. You get a verse that matches the issue that you have. This is what I thought. Read what you need. Read what you need. So if, if I deal with pride, which I know I do and a lot of us do, then we go to James chapter 4. And it says, God opposes the proud, but he has, gives favor toward the humble. Verse 10 of chapter 4 says, humble yourselves there before the Lord and he will lift you up. 1 Peter 5, 5 says the same things. Clothe yourselves with humility. Why do we have to clothe ourselves? Because it's not something that we would normally wear. But you go over this and over this and over this and then you start to speak this into your spirit and it starts to become part of who you are. And now I'm dealing with and victorious over the very things that the devil wants to use to destroy my life. And it's all happening in my mind. I'm being transformed by the renewing of my mind. And then so whatever your issue is, whatever that thing that you're dealing with, that overwhelming sense of pressure from work, that overwhelming sense of how am I going to make it, that overwhelming grief, you then even you, you search the Bible and you find out what you need, that is even a great exercise, by the way. All right, so now, did I say I was getting practical here? Did I say that? I'm gonna get more practical. You should do it for, you should meditate four times a day. Four times a day. In Deuteronomy, it tells us, Deuteronomy 6, it's called the Shema. These are, this is a prayer that the Jews pray every, every, every day, multiple times a day. But it says... It says in Deuteronomy 6 that we should meditate on God's word when you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, and when you get up. When you sit, when you walk, when you lie down, and when you get up. In other words, that you know, you know we don't struggle when we're busy, right? When you're really busy and you have a lot of things to do, you don't struggle. You're not dealing with a lot of temptation. You're, you're doing fine because you have things to do. You have a focus. You have something. But when it's when you sit, when you're just chilling, when you're just coming home, you just want to just, right? Do you not chill? Do you chill? I chill. Do you sit back sometimes and just sit? Do you? You're looking at me like I have two heads. All right, when you sit, when you just, you, your mind can become vulnerable. That's a great time to meditate on God's word. When you walk, now let's just, let's, let's, let's translate that into our day and time. When you're driving around. 
you're by yourself and you're, by, and you're in, you know, you're on the freeway, you're in and you're driving around, you have a lot of time to think about a lot of things. I don't know about you, but that's when I think a lot. And this is, so when you're driving around and you can't be doing other things, you shouldn't, do not read when you drive. I know people that do that. Don't do that. But when you're driving around and you, your mind can wander, makes, you, ever, you ever drive somewhere and you go, did I stop at that red light? Remember, I've had that and that's unsettling. But anyway, because my mind is just wandering and during those times I can get it off into an area where, and I need to meditate on God's. When you're about to go to bed at night, when you're just lying down and just, it's easier just to watch television than to just meditate on God's word. Now, this is where you have to say how serious is and how, how desperately do you want the victory that God has for you? How desperate do you want the abundance? Because you can ignore all this and not walk in abundance and freedom. Or when you get up in the morning, your first thoughts about Jesus. You cannot remove a thought, friends. You have to replace a thought. Whatever, whatever path you're down, you have to replace that thought. You don't just remove it. Just stop thinking about the pink elephant. Just stop it. No, you, you have to replace the thought. You don't remove a thought. Do you know when your most vulnerable moments are? When the very thing that plagues you and haunts you starts to really gnaw at your soul and your spirit and starts to eat away. Do you know when those moments are? Do you know when you're vulnerable? If you know when you're vulnerable, be prepared for those moments with the power of God's word. I can't, this is, I can't, I, I can't get any more simple. This word is powerful and it will change your life. You want transformation, you want to change, you want your life to change. You think about this. Question and I end. What is the kill shot What is the kill shot that the enemy of your soul wants to use against you? What is that kill shot? What is that one point, that one target, maybe two, that the enemy can use against you to to ruin and destroy your life, to get your life off track? What is that? And now take the word of God and apply it to that to put a shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And in your weakest moments, in your darkest night, on your worst day, you can defeat the enemy of your soul because of the powerful nuclear word of God. The question is, will you use it? Or will you let this weapon sit and collect dust and try to do it on your own? Father, in Jesus' name, there are those that maybe have come for the very first time and they're wondering about all this, but there's something that's been planted in them. And I ask that that seed would grow and bring life to them. There may be people today that have been neglecting the very thing that could bring them life and victory and abundance. And I ask that we would fall in love with your word. Lord, as people even today have come in here and they're 
on a journey, a spiritual journey, wondering, what do I do? Where do I go? I ask that something would happen today and click and land with them today that would sense and know that this truth that we are talking about is life-giving truth. And it's based upon the very one we worship, Jesus Christ, who did what no one else has done, and that is he rose from the dead. And that our invitation today is not into a religion, it's not into a church, it's not into church membership, it's into a relationship with Jesus Christ and his word that can bring us life and abundance. And I do speak the blessing of your word upon these wonderful people. It is for your glory, I pray. Amen.